Hey guys, welcome to episode 8 of Filter. It's been another big week. I just keep having big weeks and they never get less big. Which is probably a good thing because you, you want to be busy. But I have been rebuilding the whole Filter website. So filter.mattwalterphoto.com is completely rebuilt. It's now easier to get to those different sections. So you can hear all the old podcasts. You can view all the, the video tutorials. And you can download some resources for Adobe Lightroom. And there's obviously more stuff that'll go in there, but that's where it's at now. And that's what I've been doing. Also did some stuff for Wax when they opened for Biffy Clyro. Um, that was a really good time. I love Wax. Wax, like, Wax's new single, Labrador, is so good. As is Skeggs is up in the clouds. Both are so good. If you haven't heard of either of those, number one, you're crazy. Number two, it's on iTunes or Spotify. So you should... Go and listen to that. But I think I think these questions are going to be pretty in-depth this app. So if you haven't made a coffee, get one. And let's just jump straight into it. Question number one from Damograph. That's good. Damograph. He had a two-parter. His first question was, Hey, man, I've been listening to Filter. It's sick and so insightful. And a huge wake-up call about the industry because up until now, I thought the thing about up-and-coming photographers was they rise up with up-and-coming bands and that's how it worked. Thanks for doing it. And I said, thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate that, Damograph. But the question he had after that was, I have a question. How do you make the most and make the band that you're shooting look the best that they possibly can if they don't really do that much on stage or they're not the best visual performers? That's a good question because it is pretty common and it happens. Some bands that I shoot, they, they don't move around a lot because the music, it doesn't make sense for them to move around a lot. Can you imagine, you know, a band with an acoustic guitar or an acoustic driven project and they're what jumping around like Soho or something that just wouldn't make, wouldn't make much sense. So it is common and there's ways you can, you can work around that. So I don't like shooting bands who are too choreographed. So there's some bands out there, it's not a bad thing, but it's, you know, they they jump at this section of the song. They they get ready to do this crazy this crazy thing that all the photographers will want to see, but at the end of the day, all the photographers get that one shot. And so it's not very interesting. And so I don't really like shooting bands that are that choreographed anyway. So it's probably, a, you know, it is half the time I am shooting bands that don't move that much or they move the right amount. Um, it just feels so clinical, I guess, but that's, that's getting off track. I just like shooting bands who move around a lot, just not in the same ways every show. Having said that, it must be insane you know, to be a musician and having to remember notes and music and put on this show that's, you know, entertaining as well as remembering, you know, where to hold your fingers, where to strum, where to sing, like, you know, how to sing the right way. Man, I can't even do one of those things. So I can't even imagine that. Sometimes photographers, we need to find... You know, we need to do our part to find other elements 
to capture, you know, to really sort of paint that picture of the energy that the, the artist is, is exuding while you're actually there and you're covering the show. So there's so many different elements you could look at capturing. It's not necessarily always the, the musician that you have to, that you have to capture that energy from. So a few things you could look at is you could look at the performer, which we, you know, that's a no brainer. And the performer might not be moving that much, but their arms and their mouth will have to be moving because they, they have to move them in order to make the sound. So instead of trying to capture, you know, wider shots showcasing the instrument, their body, all those kind of things, focus on, you know, those those actionable movements that they're doing to make the sound. So a close-up of the head when the mouth really stresses certain notes, for example, that's a way you can really capture the energy. Many acoustic artists, they'll emote the notes really strongly. So while they might not move around that much with their feet, you can really see them get lost in the music. You know, they pull their head back, they mumble through an emotional line. It's all there. You just have to look a little bit closer in order to capture that energy. And it's a nice contrast too to your other portfolio images when you're creating a moment that showcases this this brittle, vulnerable sort of side of musicians. Another thing you can look at is the stage setup. I look for things that sort of set the context of the performer. So little trinkets on the amp, the way that the smoke wraps around different parts of the stage or the speakers, things like that. It's about capturing the energy of the show, not exclusively the artist. So that brings us to the next thing you could capture, which is lighting. You could you know, really use the lighting to your advantage because acoustic performers or performers that don't move around a lot often have these static lighting setups and it makes it easier to shoot using spot metering. So that's always a plus because it's hard when lights move that much. And if the music is quiet and it's not really wild, you can try capturing things that are isolated by that light. You know, make a performer sit square in the spotlight and let everything else fall away into darkness. It showcases intimacy and it matches the music. It's one idea for lighting anyway. I'm sure you could come up with a heat, but that's generally one of the photos that I always get. And the last thing you could look at is the audience. You could, you know, you could definitely bank on every gig that front row is always going to have people on it that know the words to the songs and they're going to be yelling it out because they, they really want uh, to participate with the music and collaborate with the artists. And so they're going to be singing loudly and they're going to be emoting a lot. And if they're not doing that, they're always happy to pose for a photo because they want to be seen there. So, you know, if they don't see you, go for the, uh, the emoting angle. If they do see you, uh, give them a little trigger that you want to take their photo on and, and they'll smile for you. Showcases how many people were at, at the show as well. So hopefully that helps. It's a good starting point anyway, because I know, you know, I've been there and I thought it was really hard at first until I started to think a bit differently about it. Um, it's not it's not innovative sort of thinking, but it does take a little bit of a different train of thought to arrive at those ideas. So then you demograph, you add a second part of the question, you snuck two in. 
You said it might not be a question you can answer depending on your situation, but how do you network or talk to people in a live environment, as in the bands, with pretty bad social anxiety? I feel like I come across as self-indulgent when I'm actually just freaking out. It's a good question, and I'll um, go into depth on this. So not many people know this, but when I started with music photography, I, I chose that environment actively because I was suffering from some really bad depression and social anxiety. And I used to be someone that would talk to anyone and be able to really get out there and make my way through any situation just by chatting. And it, it, there was no anxiety to it at all for me. And for a lot of different reasons that you know changed my circumstances, I became someone who was scared of risking someone thinking I was boring as soon as I left and I would just be freaking out thinking that, you know, I left a really bad impression or long-term friendships are going to not want to continue because I'm, you know, I'm just a bit of a bore. So I chose music photography because I didn't know anyone in that industry, but I love music. So it relied on networking because I had to start from nothing. So I had to talk to people that I otherwise wouldn't have talked to. Men, I had to go out there and, you know, communicate with people in the way that I used to. And just by being outgoing and relaxed, accepting of challenges, it really married well with my love for photography and loving feeling the pressure of needing to get a photo right in the first three songs really helped as well. That was like a healthy amount of pressure to put on that as well from a work ethic perspective. I think it's, I think it's natural to worry about coming off self-indulgent because photography is a promotional game that we play. And I think that's the same as any industry. If you think about any connection that we make with, you know, another person, it starts off by telling that person about yourself and then asking them about themselves. So it's natural to feel like, you know, they, that you talk about yourself too much if you don't think much about yourself. You have to talk to connect and it's a two-way street. It does feel like you're going against your personal grain. I totally get that. But I don't know a single successful person that hasn't been called arrogant for being confident. People who are achieving less than someone else, I think, you know, are quick to call someone else arrogant. It seems like a jealousy thing, and it happens in any job, not just photography. But someone once said to me that they wish they had my level of confidence or something along along those lines that sort of, you know, I just did not identify with. And I told them, if only you knew how little I think of myself. Or when someone says, oh, hey, you're better than that. No, I'm, I'm really not but you don't want to be negative. So you keep it to yourself and people only see that positive side of you. Cause that's all you're putting out. You're not putting negative things on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. So it's a highlight reel and people end up perceiving that as an unbreakable confidence. People don't think past their, their comments and realize how it impacts someone because they think they've just got everything sorted out. And they don't see me as my own worst critic, which is the truth of the matter. I'm, I'm probably happy with three photos that I've ever taken. It's 
that's just self-doubt and it exists in everyone. And it took, you know, me hiding that positive side away and, you know, being accepting of a compliment doesn't mean I'm being self-indulgent. Took me a long time to say just two simple words back when someone complimented my work. And those words were simply, thank you. It doesn't mean you agree with them. It doesn't mean you're celebrating yourself. It's not asking for a big parade. It's just simply showing your appreciation for their encouragement, positivity, and gratitude for your contribution as a photographer. Being arrogant and self-indulgent is expecting the compliment and acting like they're stupid for giving it because they were meant to just assume it or something like that. So never feel like being yourself or passing a conversation with someone means that you focus too much on yourself and you know, you're not thinking about anyone else. Anyone worth a damn wants to know about someone else. So you just have to remind yourself as hard as it is that after listening to someone talk, you are just as justified to contribute to the conversation. There's a book you might want to check out. It's called Springboard, Launching Your Personal Search for Success. And there's a chapter in it and it discusses, you know, setting certain focuses and having a growth mindset and how growth mindsets can reposition your own perception of your self-worth. It works in any situation. It doesn't matter that it's a live music setting or it doesn't matter if it's outside of a live music setting. The people you're speaking to, they're just people. They're not different because they're in a band. That's just your mind getting confused with, you know, your appreciation for the art that they make, like the art that you make, they're complimenting you on. Musicians worry about a change in musical direction or any new material won't be perceived as well as their previous work or, you know, new stuff is too different from the old stuff. It's, and it's the same with us as photographers. It's just a fear of not being good enough. As soon as you realize that everyone has those fears, the sooner you can start your growth mindset. So I totally feel for you. I totally understand exactly what you're feeling because trust me, I'm feeling it too. Everyone's feeling it. Musicians are feeling it. Bar owners, promoters, everyone has self-doubt. But you can't let the highlight reel shake you because it's not an accurate representation. And you're not alone in how you feel like that. It does take time though, and it still happens to me, like I said, and I just push through a little bit easier now than when I first started. So definitely just hang in there, dude. All good. Question number two from McLean. McLean, McLean. Hi, Matt. I just discovered your work, and it's absolutely breathtaking. I'm really looking to to transition into the photography line of work from the current gig as a, a news camp. Do you have any suggestions for types of brands of camera and gear for beginners? P.S. You're definitely my favorite photographer in Brizzy. Cheers, McLean. That's really nice, man. Thank you so much for saying that. I think the best kind of camera is the one that feels right in your hands. Everyone's got different size hands. And, you know, there's not a wrong brand of camera as well. There's not a bad quality camera out there. I'd just go into a camera store and ask to hold some different cameras in your hands, like get them out of the case. Think about what feels natural and make a decision based off that. So, you know, I feel that Nikon makes a slightly boxier camera body where Canon has more rounder edges. 
And some people prefer that boxier feel. Some people don't even feel like Nikon is a boxier sort of camera. And I started with Nikon and I ended up moving to Canon because I, it felt more natural to me. I felt like I could just move my hands around the camera a lot easier and just change the settings. And I don't know what photography that you want to do, but I recommend, you know, a good lens for a variety of purposes is the uh, 50 millimeter Canon or the 50 millimeter Nikon lens. I think they're around about hundred to 200 bucks and they're open to an aperture of 1.8, which is pretty generous with the amount of light it lets in. And they're super, super sharp. Like they feel plastic on the outside, but don't underestimate how sharp these lenses are. And so cheap for a lens at 100 to 200 bucks. So go in, feel the camera, feel what feels right. Try to reach all the settings, feel where the settings are. And then get that lens, the 50mm 1.8. So many people start with that. And it's obviously for a reason, cheap and sharp and pretty flexible with an aperture that wide. Good luck for the journey, man. And question number three, final question, is from a guy called Lou, L-E-W. On the next podcast, I'd really like to know your view on photography contracts when it comes to signing a form before the show in regards to the photos taken. I know there was some debate around Foo Fighters and also Taylor Swift last year, but I'm curious to know your view as I've had something similar after a recent show when after the show was over, we were all told that the photos must be sent to the artist management and can't be published anywhere pending approval. I understand being told before the show, but being told after was a bit sour. So my opinion's my opinion. I'll start with that. And I'm surprised it's taken so many episodes for this topic to come up, but I've never been told after the fact that I need to submit photos for artist approval, not after the fact. I've been asked to sign them previously, and it could be because someone was taking a photo from a side that the performer isn't very confident about and management saw it and you know thought that the artist might want to check that before it goes out. It's the same as what I was saying in one of those earlier questions. People uh, have a lot of self-doubt and they're really self-conscious. And sometimes, you know, good managers will look up, you know, look out for that. It's not always a Beyonce level situation, but it is in that same vein. As for contracts as a whole, I think they're pretty fair, especially if a record label, they've invested a lot in the band. They've, you know, paid for promotion, they paid for distribution, they've, you know, really put a lot of time and effort into, you know, improving their trajectory. And I think a lot of them also are unreasonable with what they ask. And when I first started, I remember some really crazy requests. They were like signing over the copyright of the images, like the entire copyright and having images embargoed for days, like you know, almost a week. And the artist wasn't even in the country by the end of that. And not being able to use the images on my own social media. And that's just some of them. But the worst one was owning the exclusive copyright of the images. When people think that signing over exclusive copyright is appropriate, it makes me question what else is being signed over as part of the wider dealings. I don't think that the promoter or record label 
it's not their I don't think it's their responsibility to decide you know how much you get paid and if you get paid for being there to shoot the show that's whoever's responsibility you know that's the responsibility of whoever sent you there and I do see the importance of protecting you know the record label or the promoter's investment in the brand and getting the musician out there because they helped them grow the size they are today like I said before but I don't think that a band is intellectual property. I think the music that they make is, and I think the marketing collateral is, but just like that, our photos are our intellectual property. They gave us or the promoter an opportunity to create content. How you get paid for being there, you know, to take the opportunity is not their concern. And that's where a contract that doesn't take exclusive rights away from a photographer. You know, it only asks for non-exclusive web publishing use of the images or has, you know, a normal kind of request within it. I'm happy to sign it. I'm not happy to sign something that allows anyone to make money with my photos by selling merch with my photos on it, for example, or records where the cover is, is one of my photos or anything that makes money from visual elements without my part being valued within the wider scope of everyone that's getting paid or benefiting from, you know, the, the product. We just want our piece. And I structure those deals on a per use licensing basis in a way that's fair to both parties. That's fair to both the band or the promoter or the record label and me. Slipknot have a really great contract that's fair to both the photographer and them as a band and anyone else that sort of contributes to to their journey. I can't remember the exact details of the contract. I've been trying to think about that, but I'll see if I can find a scanned version of it because it basically said that you can't use the photos on unauthorized merchandise, which would be anything that Slipknot does not create themselves as official Slipknot merchandise. But it also doesn't give over the rights to use your photos for merchandise without, you know, arrangement with you first. And they make a big point of that in that contract. And that's a really good contract, you know, in my eyes. It's fair in protecting their brand, but it's also respectful of the value of creating an image that creates a positive visual of them. As for being told after the fact, I think it's just, I think that comes down to poor planning. It could be a breakdown in communication though. Like it's, it's that easy to, um, you know, not hear about something that is, you know, part of the plan. They could have supplied the contract to the publication and they just missed passing on that detail to you. And either way, you know, someone had some poor planning along the way and I, I wouldn't be happy about it either. But you always have the choice not to shoot it when someone, you know, someone hands one to you out of nowhere. Just make sure you check what's reasonable and, you know, compare that with what you're prepared to do. Based off what, you know, you wrote to me today, I would have shot it. Um, I know you found out after the fact, but even if I found out before the fact, you know, either way, I would have shot it and it would have been fine. Doobie Brothers had a really similar similar contract to what you're telling me about, and I got that in advance, so it wasn't a surprise. So it's a little different there, but it stated that only the photos the band, you know, had approved could be used. 
And that was fine by me because I was shooting for the venue. So I didn't, I didn't mind any holdup. And they ended up approving it within four hours or so. I was expecting it to be longer, but, it, you know, four hours, no biggie. And sometimes when photographers shoot music, they get confused on who the client actually is. The client is the publication or the entity that you're shooting for. So if you're shooting for a publication, any delay on being able to use the images you've taken is only at a risk to the publication and the band. The band's missing out on, you know, some relevant promotion time to sell tickets. The promoter's missing out on the same and the website's missing out on hits. But you've created the content, you've handed it in by the due date to the publication, that's that's your job. It's done. You've checked that your copyright's protected. You've made sure you're comfortable with what the contract is being asked of you. You know, if there's a delay in the photos, that's someone else's problem. Unless you run the publication, I'd just refocus on getting a pass for another show and just being like, oh, that's a that's a weird, that's a weird sort of situation that I didn't find out until after the fact. You met your deadline, you did the right thing for the client. So you're a good egg and you delivered what you needed to. But yeah, I definitely stress read those contracts and they're hard to do in low light, but make sure you make the time to um, to read that. That's the biggest thing to do. And, and no, it's okay to say no. It's okay to just be like, nah, you know, this doesn't work for me or I'm not comfortable with that and head home. If you're working for a good publication or a good client, they'll understand the value of your work and they won't they they wouldn't expect you to have signed one in the first place. And if they if they did and they want you to give over that copyright, I'd probably think twice about contributing to them, to be honest. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many contracts get introduced. It only takes like a couple of people to do the wrong thing. Like that Beyonce thing, that, you know, that really is largely the reason why bands want to see things first and foremost. And that photographer should never have given those photos to anyone. They knew that those photos were bad. It's a hot topic for me that those photos, so I'll end it there. But in conclusion, I appreciate all the questions. I love answering these and I love that we're getting more and more questions sent in and that hopefully tells me that it's useful. But if you do appreciate this, the best way to um, show your appreciation is by rating it on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening to it. The more reviews we get, the more we travel up Apple's um, charts or whoever's charts is um, on that platform. Don't forget, Filter is totally rebuilt. So you can listen to all the old episodes there with other questions and, and topics we've talked about. You can watch videos. You can learn about how I edited various things. But the most important thing is to just stay feeling positive and have fun while you're shooting. That's why we're doing it. That's the, the love that underpins our art. So have a good time shooting whatever you're shooting this week, and we'll chat more next week. See you, team.